Due to the current UK lockdown, this week's The Daily News and Brief podcast is being recorded remotely. Welcome to The Daily News and Brief podcast. Today is the 14th of May and this week's main story is... The Prime Minister unveiled a conditional plan for the reopening of society on Sunday as the severity of the coronavirus pandemic begins to subside. In a televised address, Boris Johnson announced the government's new stay alert advice and said that while the lockdown could not end immediately, it would be modified this week. The changes mean people in England are now permitted to sit in parks and take unlimited exercise outdoors, although they must remain within their household groups. Outdoor meetings between two people are permitted as long as they stay two metres apart. Johnson also said people who could not work from home would now be encouraged to return to their workplaces. As news of the Prime Minister's new strategy emerged, leaders across the UK's four nations expressed their scepticism. Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon was quick to criticise Johnson's latest slogan for sending mixed messages, saying, I don't know what stay alert means. While Sturgeon has announced the loosening of some restrictions, such as removing the limits on outdoor exercise, she said it would be catastrophic for Scotland to drop the stay-at-home message at this stage. Her criticism of Johnson's strategy was echoed by leaders in Northern Ireland and Wales, who have both rejected the stay alert messaging in favour of maintaining stay at home advice. Labour also warned that the change in government messaging risks people thinking the lockdown was over, potentially increasing social interaction and accelerating virus transmission. Concerns over the new strategy prompted clarification from the government, which published full details of the changes in its plan to rebuild on Monday. The plan clarified that those who are unable to work from home will now be encouraged to return to work. Sectors permitted to open, such as construction and manufacturing, should now open, although workers should avoid commuting by public transport wherever possible. Workplaces should also operate in line with new COVID-19 secure guidelines, which call for virus risk assessments and reinforced cleaning processes, and all firms should consult with their staff and union officials about how employees can return to work safely. Official guidance has also been amended to clarify that paid childcare can now take place, allowing more working parents to return to work. The new advice also recommends that Britons wear face coverings in enclosed spaces where social distancing is not possible. Johnson said further changes, such as the resumption of non-essential retail and primary school years reception 1 and 6, could be implemented from the 1st of June. There are no plans for secondary school pupils to return before the next school year, although those sitting exams next year will be able to see their teachers this term. Primary school teachers have raised concerns about workplace safety after schools were told they can abandon the two-metre distancing rules in favour of smaller class sizes of 15 pupils and staggered start times. The National Association of Head Teachers has slammed the proposed return in June as unfeasible and said it was an insult that teachers would be made to work without proper personal protective equipment. Under Johnson's plans, the next step in easing lockdown will be the reopening of hospitality, leisure facilities, personal care businesses and public spaces by July at the earliest, provided social distancing is enforced. However, the introduction of each of these measures is dependent on several conditions being met. Crucially, the virus's rate of reproduction, the R, must remain below one, meaning one person with the virus infects just one other person. This will avoid the outbreak returning to exponential growth. If there are outbreaks, if there are problems, we will not hesitate to put on the brakes, the Prime Minister said. A new COVID-19 alert system has also been established, with the alert level primarily determined by the R rate and the number of new virus cases. There are five levels, level one meaning the disease is no longer present in the UK, and level five being the most critical. At present, Britain is at level four and in a position to begin moving to level three, Johnson said. However, among the government's conditions for lifting lockdown entirely is the requirement to ensure the supply of sufficient COVID-19 tests and personal protective equipment, two issues where ministers have frequently failed to meet their own targets. Although it did reference potential options for expanding social contact in future, the government plans gave no date by which Britons can expect to be able to visit friends and family at home. 
On Tuesday, new figures published by the Office for National Statistics, or ONS, revealed the UK's coronavirus death toll has now surpassed 40,000. When combined with the latest death counts, the ONS data showed there had been a total of 40,496 COVID-19-related deaths in all settings across Britain as of the 12th of May. On the 17th of March, the government's chief scientific advisor, Sir Patrick Vallance, said keeping UK deaths below 20,000 would be a good result. However, the latest ONS figures have now cemented the UK status as the worst affected country in Europe, raising questions about the government's handling of the crisis. At least 10,000 of the deaths recorded by the ONS occurred in care homes, although fatalities in care settings are now falling. In the last week of April, weekly deaths fell to 1,503, down from 2,379 in the seven days to the 24th of April. The decline appears to confirm that the epidemic in the care sector has now peaked. Data from the ONS has also revealed that men in low-skilled jobs are four times more likely to die from the virus compared to men in professional roles. Those working as security guards and taxi drivers face the highest mortality rates. Many of the low-paid workers facing the highest death rates, such as those employed in constructional processing, are also those who have been told to return to work this week. Care workers also face significantly higher death rates, while healthcare staff, including doctors and nurses, were not found to have a higher mortality rate than the general population. On Tuesday, Chancellor Rishi Sunak announced an extension of the government's furlough scheme. The job retention programme, which pays 80% of furloughed workers' wages, will continue in its current form until the end of July. From August until October, it will become more flexible to allow businesses to bring staff back into work. Under the current programme, furloughed staff cannot work for their employer. Sunak also indicated that the level of government financial support would be reduced later in the year, with employers expected to share the cost of furloughed workers' wages. It follows new figures published by the ONS on Wednesday, showing that the UK's economy contracted at its fastest pace on record in March, with output falling 5.8%. The record monthly plunge meant the economy contracted 2% in the first three months of 2020, the sharpest quarterly contraction since 2008. The ONS said the arrival of the pandemic had hit nearly every aspect of the economy, with record declines seen in services and construction. However, with lockdown only imposed in the final few weeks of March, it's likely a more severe contraction will occur in the second quarter of 2020 as the full effect of the measures becomes clear. Around the world, the number of infections has now risen to 4.2 million and at least 297,000 people have died. In South Korea, officials have warned of a resurgence in COVID-19 after the country's easing of lockdown restrictions was followed by a one-month high in confirmed cases. A similar pattern has emerged in Germany, where new infections rose last week after lockdown rules were loosened. German officials warned that the number of people each sick person infects had risen to 1.1, triggering the reimposition of lockdown measures in at least one district. Elsewhere in Europe, however, several countries have begun easing quarantine restrictions. In Spain, major cities such as Madrid and Barcelona remain locked down, but in other areas, citizens are permitted to meet friends and family in outdoor spaces. Meanwhile, French officials have reported 123 new virus deaths, the country's lowest toll in seven weeks. France's lockdown exit began on Monday and divides the country into red and green zones dependent on local infection levels. Primary schools and most businesses have now reopened, although cafes and restaurants remain closed. On Tuesday, the World Health Organization warned countries exiting lockdown that extreme vigilance is needed to avoid a fresh wave of infections. It follows comments made by Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top U.S. infection diseases expert, warning that the premature reopening of businesses in America would cause needless suffering and death. Fauci told the New York Times the government must not skip over the checkpoints and guidelines for reopening the economy if the U.S. is to avoid the danger of multiple outbreaks. This would actually set us back on our quest to return to normal, he added. The U.S. remains the world's worst affected country, recording 1.2 million confirmed cases and more than 82,000 deaths. Three senior members of President Trump's virus task force were forced to self-isolate this week after coming into contact with someone who tested positive for COVID-19. 
Vice President Mike Pence is said to be among those taking precautions after his spokeswoman tested positive for the virus. However, Pence's office said he was not in quarantine and would still be attending White House meetings. In China, officials are preparing to test 11 million people living in Wuhan, where the virus originated. The mass testing has been prompted by a small outbreak in the city, which had previously recorded no new cases since early April. Meanwhile, in Brazil, 881 new COVID-19 fatalities were recorded on Tuesday. Brazil's death toll now stands at 12,400, making it the world's sixth worst hit country. However, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has repeatedly downplayed the threat, comparing the virus to a little flu. In UK news, Britain and the European Union begun their penultimate round of scheduled trade talks on Monday. Negotiators have made little progress on the talks' major sticking points and have faced significant disruption as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. This week's round of talks is expected to cover goods and services, aviation, energy and fisheries, with the latter representing one of the most significant obstacles for the agreement of a UK-EU deal. At the end of June, both sides will assess progress made in the negotiations and agree on any extension of the talks beyond the existing deadline of the 1st of January 2021, an option which Boris Johnson has repeatedly ruled out. The Supreme Court has ruled Jerry Adams was interned illegally during the troubles in Northern Ireland because the wrong minister approved his detention order. The former Sinn Féin leader, who has always denied being a member of the IRA, had challenged the way he was interned under emergency terror legislation in 1972. Adams' detention order was signed by a junior minister and not the Northern Ireland Secretary as required by regulations. Following a hearing in London last year, the Supreme Court has ruled Adams' detention was not lawfully authorised and is therefore invalid. The decision means his two convictions for attempting to escape prison in the 1970s have also been quashed. A new poll from YouGov has suggested Sir Keir Starmer is currently more popular with the British public than Boris Johnson. The survey puts the Labour leader ahead with a net approval rating of plus 23, while the Prime Minister follows on plus 22. As part of the polling, respondents were asked how they thought Starmer was doing as opposition leader. 40% said he was performing very well or fairly well, while 17% said very badly or fairly badly. By comparison, Johnson divided public opinion more strongly. 57% said he is doing very well or fairly well, while 35% think he is doing very or fairly bad. The results should be read cautiously, however, as 44% of respondents said they don't know how well Starmer is doing, suggesting many remain unfamiliar with the new Labour leader. More than 280 people have illegally crossed the channel since Friday, according to the Home Office. The government department said it had witnessed a spike in crossings in recent days, with the latest incident involving the interception of a boat carrying 17 Iraqi nationals off the Kent coast. Immigration Compliance Minister Chris Phillips said it was sickening that smugglers were willing to risk lives. He claimed the government is stepping up action to stop the crossings. However, the charity Refugee Action has told the government to stop talking tough and start acting smart, urging ministers to reduce the number of dangerous crossings by creating safe legal routes for claiming asylum in the UK. Campaigners have called for a review of police taser use after the tasering of two black men last week provoked a public backlash. An incident in Manchester saw one black man tasered to the ground by police officers in front of his young son. Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham has demanded an urgent review of the incident and questioned whether the use of tasers was proportionate. In London, a second man was tasered and left with life-changing injuries in an incident in Haringey, prompting an investigation by the Independent Office for Police Conduct. The charity Inquest has called for an urgent review of tasers and their disproportionate use against black people and those with mental health problems. Twitter has granted its staff the option to work from home forever if they wish. The social media giant announced the decision on Tuesday and said it followed the successful introduction of work from home measures during the coronavirus pandemic. Twitter said, if our employees are in a role and situation that enables them to work from home and they want to continue to do so forever, we will make that happen. 
The firm closed its offices in March and does not plan to reopen them until September. Staff will be able to choose whether they continue working from home or return with some additional precautions once the offices reopen. It follows announcements from Google and Facebook, which have both said employees can continue working from home until the end of the year. Jury trials are expected to resume in some parts of England and Wales next week, the Lord Chief Justice has announced. Lord Burnett of Morden said a small number of new trials would begin on Monday for the first time since the coronavirus lockdown was imposed. They will be subject to special arrangements to maintain the safety of all participants, including spacing proceedings over two rooms to maintain physical distancing. The decision to resume trials comes amid growing concern over a mounting backlog of cases. While some hearings have been conducted remotely, there are currently more than 35,600 outstanding cases due to be heard by Crown Courts. Health Secretary Matt Hancock has warned holidays abroad are unlikely to go ahead this year. Appearing on ITV's This Morning on Tuesday, Hancock said, It's unlikely big lavish international holidays are going to be possible for this summer. I just think that's a reality of life. His comments follow the news that Ryanair plans to restore 40% of its flight schedule from July. The airline said public health measures will be introduced on its flights, including temperature checks and mandatory face masks. Social distancing means passengers will not be able to queue for toilets, but can use the facilities on request. Despite the plans, resumption of Ryanair flights remains dependent on whether current travel restrictions are lifted. Meanwhile, travel group TUI has confirmed plans to cut up to 8,000 jobs as it battles the financial impact of the pandemic. The largest travel group in Europe, TUI lost 740 million euros in the first three months of 2020 and required an emergency bailout from the German government. It has described the pandemic as the greatest crisis the industry has ever faced after international travel restrictions destroyed demand for holidays. TUI said the latest job cuts were part of efforts to permanently reduce its cost base by 30% in preparation for long-standing changes to the travel industry. Morrison's online supermarket is expected to reach at least a billion pounds in annual sales by next spring following a boost to its delivery system. The Bradford-based chain has said sales on morrisons.com had doubled in line with its decision to double the number of delivery slots available during the coronavirus lockdown. The supermarket has further online expansion in the pipeline, with a click-and-collect service set to be introduced across 280 stores by mid-June. It has also established a telesales service, allowing elderly or vulnerable customers without internet access to arrange home deliveries from a local store. The growth in its services comes after in-store sales rose nearly 6% in the three months to the 10th of May. Interpol has issued a red notice for the arrest of Anne Sekoulas, meaning the US national is now wanted internationally by the Global Policing Organisation. Sekoulas was charged with causing death by dangerous driving by the UK's Crown Prosecution Service after a fatal road collision involving 19-year-old Harry Dunn last August. The Interpol notice means Sekoulas will now face arrest if she leaves the US. A spokesperson for the Dunn family said it marked a huge step towards getting justice for Harry. Sekoulas fled the UK following the incident last year. The US has refused to extradite her to Britain and claimed she was covered by diplomatic immunity at the time of the crash. Facebook has agreed a $52 million settlement with its moderators after they accused the company of failing to protect them from the severe mental health impacts of the role. The settlement awards moderators a minimum of $1,000 each, with additional compensation for those diagnosed with mental health disorders, including PTSD. Facebook moderators are tasked with reviewing the platform's content to remove inappropriate material. In the process, they are exposed to graphic content, including child sexual abuse and beheadings. A lawyer for the plaintiff said they were thrilled with the settlement, adding... The harm that can be suffered from this work is real and severe. So the fact that we got some real, meaningful relief going forward just feels really good. Elsewhere in the world, an Iranian missile has struck a support vessel in the Gulf of Oman, killing 19 people. The deadly incident of friendly fire occurred on Saturday when a missile launched during a training exercise hit another Iranian vessel positioned close to its target. The support vessel had been laying targets for other training exercises when it was struck accidentally. 
Iran's state media said 19 sailors had been killed in the accident and at least 15 people were injured. Police in Hong Kong have arrested 230 people following pro-democracy protests over the weekend, authorities confirmed on Monday. The protesters had joined a sing-along demonstration at a shopping mall in the city, and protests later continued on the streets. Police said the mass arrests were made on offences including unlawful assembly, failing to provide proof of identity, and assaulting a police officer. The arrest came as Hong Kong's pro-Beijing leader, Carrie Lam, blamed the city's liberal education curriculum for fueling the pro-democracy movement. Lam has pledged to overhaul the education system, claiming pupils are being fed false information. Carbon emissions have fallen in India for the first time in four decades. Environmental website Carbon Brief said the drop in emissions was not solely the result of the coronavirus lockdown, but followed falling fossil fuel demand and electricity use recorded before the pandemic hit. However, it was not until the nationwide lockdown was imposed in March that India's 37-year emissions growth was finally pushed into reverse. CO2 emissions plunged 15% in March and are expected to fall 30% in April. Environmental campaigners in India are hoping the country's cleaner air and clear skies under lockdown will encourage the public to support further efforts to reduce emissions. Gunmen have attacked a hospital in Afghanistan, killing at least 24 people. The attack targeted a hospital in Kabul, which houses a maternity clinic run by the international humanitarian organization Medicines Sans Frontières. At least two newborn babies are among the 24 dead and a further 16 people have been injured. The attackers reportedly entered the government-run facility wearing police uniforms before opening fire on staff and patients. The three gunmen were all killed by security personnel. The Taliban has denied involvement in the attack. Our facts of the week are 82,000 households cancelled their TV licences in the five months to March, according to data from the BBC. There are now around 25,525,000 UK homes with TV licences, the lowest number since 2014 to 15. The new figures appear to support a BBC report which found young people are increasingly ditching the broadcaster in favour of streaming services such as Netflix. It follows recent research from Ofcom which discovered that fewer than half of 16 to 24 year olds watch traditional live BBC television during an average week. The average Briton spends £104 on food and other isolation supplies each week. Since lockdown began in March, consumers have spent a total of almost £250 million more each week on food shopping, alcohol and indoor entertainment. Cash spent on groceries, alcohol, music, TV and crafts has seen the most significant increase, contributing £170 million to the extra at-home spending. Uptake of cycle-to-work schemes has risen 200% among emergency service workers. The schemes allow employees to claim a tax credit on bikes they buy for commuting. Bicycle orders via the scheme have surged during the coronavirus crisis, particularly among emergency service staff who hope to avoid crowding on public transport during their commute. This past six weeks, we have seen the biggest experiment in transport policy this country has ever known, said Adrian Warren, who runs a Cycle Schemes Alliance. It's clear the default option is cycling, he added. And finally, music star Rihanna has rocketed into the Sunday Times Rich List following her move to the UK. The Bayesian singer is third in the list with an estimated fortune of £468 million, most of which comes from her Fenty Beauty Cosmetics brand, where her 15% stake is reportedly worth £351 million. Robert Watts, who compiles the annual list, said, She somewhat caught us by surprise. Very few people knew she was living in the UK until last summer. Now she's well-placed to be the first musician to reach billionaire status in the UK. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.